This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Ward Hall Man Cave in the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country here. In the Mellon Law Studio, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and a full-service law firm. Protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Locally owned, be protected locally, and sponsored by all the great sponsors you see that we feature at halftime. And, of course, as we roll them across the screen. And thanks to the donors who occasionally give us a little help. And we really appreciate that. Most of you know who you are. I occasionally get a time to pencil you or pen you a note thanking you, but if I don't, I'm thanking you now. Well, yesterday we tried to connect with Tim Martin, uh, the chair of the Lotro County Republican uh, Committee here, and uh, a real fine gentleman co-host who can take the reins and do better than I do even, and occasionally he does that for me. Um, he is a, a, a rational man. That is a rare thing in today's political theater world. Uh, there is so much irrationality. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I suppose uh, hyperbole and all the above, exaggeration, in case you're wondering, and meaningless kinds of pursuits down rabbit holes that it's refreshing to have Tim, who is also a Newberry city commissioner and wears some other hats I'll let him talk about. Uh, so we're back today. And when we have a better connection, we think we had a water-soaked internet landline perhaps yesterday but tim's going to be with us the entire hour today i have the chat line open here in case you uh, need anything chatted about we'll do that uh tim is out there really uh in the world of um political theater quite a bit term he and i are using today and uh so we need an update from the gentleman and we can start almost anywhere tim where would you like to uh Bring us up to date on what your musings are about. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you having me back and the, uh, the the kind compliments that you always have, Ward. I really appreciate it. And, you know, the opportunity to come on your show and talk with the audience is always great as well. Uh, yesterday, we kind of tried to talk about the school board a little bit. So I guess that's sort of a natural place for us to try and uh, start today. And uh, really what... I, th I think the setup was w with regards to Shane Andrew and this constant sort of uh, back and forth between he and uh, Chair Certain, Tina Certain, Chair of the Alachua County School Board. Um, I think some of this is really stemming from the fact that she thought she may have had the votes back in May uh, to go another direction, uh, have another yet another uh, superintendent. Uh, take over the helm at the school board yet again for the 10th superintendent, I think in 10 years is what they ended up actually having. So uh, they don't have a very good track record of uh, success with the superintendent per, uh, personnel. And, uh, you know, right after the school lets out, 
there is usually a reshuffling of the deck. And I think that Tina Certain was very afraid that Shane Andrew was going to move some people out of positions that she and uh, the former superintendent had put in place. And therefore, she was going to lose a little bit of control. Well, uh, that all spiraled out of control on her part back in May because uh, super or school board member Kay Abbott actually had put forth a, me- a, a measure or a bill or motion, whatever you want to call it, to keep Shane Matthew Shane Andrew through his actual contract in 2024. That ended up ultimately passing. Uh, there was a, a large, diverse. Uh, cry of support for Shane Andrew. And really, I think the balance of a lot of the comments were about trying to create some sort of consistency. You know, with this back and forth with a different superintendent almost every year, very difficult for the staff to really get a hold of what their expectations are, how to plan, how to really move forward. So uh, that seemed to strike a chord. The motion passed. He's good until 2024. And, uh, you know, if I could be crude, so crude as to say that Tina Certain, I think, is really just a little bit butthurt about that. And now she's trying to unwind that or trying to get some other uh, toe in the door uh, to unwind that yet again so that she can probably put somebody else in the place that uh, he is in to, you know, do some of her bidding which has kind of been a little bit of the undertone if you're in the inside baseball world of what's been happening over the last several years over there. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think she's really going to get anywhere. Uh, of course, she seems to have a lot of support from the Gainesville Sun editor, uh, Andrew Ka- Kaplan, who you've mentioned before. And um, that, that you know, you had said yesterday that you kind of question his uh, his editorial character i suppose and being uh unbiased so to speak and i I can't agree with you more Uh, there's definitely a slant there that's why we call it the gainesville sunset um and it's just kind of par for the course right now at the school board we're just going to have to wade through these waters uh and and really kind of see where where it goes from there so that's kind of the the big broad overview of kind of what's going on at the school board the positions were reshuffled. Uh, you can go to the sbac.edu website and look at the new listings if you go under the agenda. Uh, probably one of the bigger changes was Ginny Wise being moved to become a principal. Uh, if I'm remembering the title correctly, I believe she was the director of curriculum. And from the insiders telling me, uh, she was really kind of an impediment to some of his uh, actual efforts favoring and siding with Tina Certain, really sort of maybe even the tip of the spear with regards to some of the DEI and the CRT garbage uh, that is really not doing anybody any favors right now. And one of the catalysts to to encourage the state legislature uh, this past session to uh, pass legislation kind of outlawing some of that stuff and trying to, you know, to just kind of put a wet blanket on that kind of thing. I'll just stop there because I'm out of breath. <laughs> Excellent analysis, and it sounds like, you know, trying to find somebody who will do the bidding of the agenda-driven Tina Certain. Yeah. Or I feel very certain that this is an agenda-dominated school board. Yeah. Just as the city commission has been an agenda-dominated city commission, and they're going to cram that into every position they can get it. if they can do it sleight of hand, they'll try it. If not, why, 
Uh, they'll maybe try to enlist some support from the Gainesville Sunset to get an editorial analysis that favors their their um, attempts, thinly veiled as they are. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, I'm sure it's being used as a kind of um, uh, distraction or uh, attempt to get their way. But, you know, the, the Bible um, is all in you know, note taking. Have you got any comments about that, Tim? Uh, nothing to the to a great extent, other than the fact that Shane Andrew himself at the May meeting, the first May meeting, uh, he was confronted by Tina Certain in the public sphere uh, about this whole Bible reference that was disclosed in the Gainesville Sun by some anonymous source, uh, and he said it's flat out not true. He did not bring a Bible to the to the classroom or anything like that. And what I thought was actually kind of interesting, I found out after the fact, apparently he and Tina Certain both attend the same church. Really? Uh, which is, yes, which is really, really bizarre. It's got to be sort of an eggshell situation uh, at the church. Uh, so I don't really, I don't really get that dynamic. I just, I guess they just sit on different uh, ends of the church, different ends of the pew over there. I don't really, I don't really get that uh, at all. And honestly, you know, if you if you kind of take a an overview of it, isn't it part of the reason why we're having a lot of these cultural problems? Uh, because we don't have a moral compass in this country like we used to, and uh, this whole idea that the left comes up with about just this consequence free society uh, is just stunning to me because it really uh, speaks to lack of law enforcement, lack of character, lack of morals lack of all of those external things that really kind of curb your behavior so that we can have a successful society. You know, one of the uh, great people within the Liberty mo- Movement, her name is Chris Ann Hall, and I don't know if she was the first one to say this, uh, but she said uh, freedom plus morality equals liberty. And that spoke to we have the freedom to do a lot of things in this country, a lot of things, but it's our moral guardrails that keep us from doing it you know i'm free to go next door and take my neighbor's stuff but thou shalt not steal so my moral code prevents me from doing that i respect the private property aspect i respect that i didn't work and earn that stuff that my neighbor has Uh, but you know today you know you you get the sense of you know how much are of my work and product are do you actually think that you are entitled to and it keeps going back to things like that. So you have this Bible reference in, that was thrown out there, and she could have done that in the private meeting. I mean, let's be honest. She wanted to specifically put it in the public sphere uh, to come down on him, to you know signal to her supporters, yeah, she's willing to go to the mattresses over this thing. And he basically just shut it down. Now, if you are a, a godly Christian-oriented individual— are you going to make references to different things from time to time that you learned here and there? Uh, if it's part of your character, sure. I, I think you probably, by nature, are going to make some sort of references to that. Uh, but I don't really even think that's the case here. I think it was totally made up, and I think it was totally a fabrication uh, by whoever was in that room. And it could very well have been this person, Jenny Wise, that was the one that was communicating that he had brought the Bible to this meeting. But it's, you know, as a leader in the leadership role, it is very undermining when you have somebody in the room uh, that is not, you know, pulling the oar and rowing the boat in the same direction that you are. And that's really uh, 
you know, he kept Jackie Johnson around. You know, I, I, I know I have to interact with her from time to time, uh, but she has a lot. She has a, a, you know, a pretty serious position in there that she's communicating with the school board. But in the end, I'm not over there. I'm not downtown. Uh, if if he thinks that's the right move, then so be it. I'll support him on that. And and by the way, I don't really know Shane Andrew uh, very well at all. I've shooken hands. I've said hello, good to see you kind of things with him. Uh, but I don't necessarily know him on a personal level whatsoever. Uh, and I also thought that it was pretty important. I wrote down a couple of things yesterday uh, because we talk about doom and gloom a lot or you know, kind of negativity, and I, I did want to point out a few of the uh, the the positives, the victories, whatever you want to call it, that we've had over at the school board, just at large in the last uh, last couple of years. You know, um, Mildred Russell was appointed by the governor. That was no small task. Uh, we did force the redrawing of the uh, actual district lines, and. That hadn't been done uh, forever. That was that's supposed to be done every, I think, ten years with the census, and that was not done. So that was kind of a forced issue. Uh, Kay Abbott was elected to the school board. It's certainly a nonpartisan race. Uh, I don't even think Kay is a registered Republican, uh, but no matter, she certainly brings to the table a big element that was not there before, uh, and that's why I supported her as well. Um, we did get the former superintendent. Moved on to Alaska, uh, so that was, I thought, a very positive thing. You know, the whole domino chain that was falling with her at the helm uh, was very detrimental to the to the to the students. Uh, it was a very much of a cancer within the staff, at least from what I had heard as well. Um, the the reading in the math scores, uh, there was a report that was given last uh, school board meeting. Uh, those scores have ticked up. Uh, so that was another thing as well. This whole concept that Shane Andrew was doing a bad job, that the reading and the math scores were going down, was really feeding off of old data. Uh, they probably had this report ahead and knew that they were going to be ticking up and wanted to sort of take that quiver out of his arrow uh, of success so that that couldn't be used to to support him or anything like that. And, uh, you know, we we've also seen the complete meltdown of the city commission. Uh, this Saturday, the GRU governance is going to switch from the city of Gainesville over to a governor-appointed board. The, um, also, the, the rezoning issues over at the school board were sort of also kind of an indirect victory as well because the – as I told – I think I spoke about this in the last time I was on your show. That hadn't been done in about 40 years, a comprehensive rezoning of the entire district uh, slash county had not been done in I think it was 43 years so you know that's sort of been done as well so those are just a couple of attaboys I wanted to make sure we threw out there to uh, kind of encourage people to to stay in the fight all this stuff is easy to fall asleep on uh, but when you kind of step back and try to look at it uh, on a holistic level instead of just a day-to-day basis there's actually a lot of good things that are going on Tim Martin here with us. If you have anything you want to talk about in the chat line, which I'm watching, um, I'm told Tim that I don't travel the streets of Gainesville anymore, and I have to. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm told that there are signs here and there advertising uh, more. We would need teachers, and um, I, I, I have no reason to doubt that these people who reported it to me are regular citizens, if you will. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a couple of real problems going on with these agenda-driven pursuits of leadership, if you will. One mm-hmm. is in, uh, of course, education. The other is in law enforcement. Sure. Um, you know, we've got people leaving law enforcement because it's being um, corrupted by political interference, if you will. Yeah. And, of course, we've got people leaving teaching yep. because they keep blaming it on the Republicans. Uh, I know we can comment about that. It's not that. It, is it so much as the insertion with a hammer of um, the race car? I mean, that's really what's driven parents to the governor. If the locally run school boards had been about educating people, and bringing up test scores and getting the best situations for math and reading that one another, um, the parents wouldn't have become so desperate. And now what's so interesting, I hear, is that we have vouchers. We have actual situations. Maybe you can comment on this if you know anything about this, uh, where you can now bail out of the public school system uh, with money coming from the state and use that to apply for a uh, payment to go to a, uh, a a charter or whatever school. That's the case, is it not? <clears throat> uh, yes, the school voucher bill was passed uh, this past legislative session, and it does allow students to – basically the money follows the student now. And the only immediate option there is really to homeschool your children. You know, I work for the Birch Society. We have a wholly owned subsidiary called Freedom Project Academy. It provides a K-12 through program uh, that's primarily electronic online, but we have uh, – live teachers. So if there's a group of family members that want to get together or families that want to get together, we can pipe in the curriculum right to wherever they are and the students can kind of work at their own pace there. Uh, but the the short-term issue from a physicality standpoint is you've got to have some place to go. And these charter schools don't get stood up overnight. Private schools don't get stood up overnight. And a little bit of a sort of a a Band-Aid on the larger problem, which is really the character of what's going on in the schools. And I think the only answer there is the fact that the the education as we knew it, the traditional education, is not really the goal anymore. It's to create these bots uh, out of our children uh, to basically feed into this more liberal progressive agenda. And we need to just whole cloth, just completely reject it, which is what I, which was, which is certainly uh, what I do. I'm just, I'm just not willing to feed into it. It's not good for our children. It's obviously not good for our culture and society. So we just need to resoundly reject it. That's why I try to keep a good eye on what's going on at the school board and try to get people involved in that, try to get good candidates uh, elected to those offices. But it is a little bit of a longer term game. And what I think is kind of, paralleling in the the teaching industry and in the law enforcement industry is you know elections have consequences and they can get people into these leadership roles who will push this liberal progressive agenda and what does it do it calls the herd you know we make a lot of ag references and in uh, you know on a very uh, basic level you have family and you have farms in this country and where we were built on but you're calling the herd so the good people who don't want to put up with this nonsense are going to go find something else to do. Well, what happens after that? You have a a smaller group of more fanatical people who are buying into this agenda. So when we talk about nationalizing the police or anything like that, I don't talk about everybody wearing the same uniform. 
Uh, but if you're controlling the police departments through regulation, through grants and money, uh, whether they have a different patch on their arm is going to be of little consequence because you have these national police, policing standards uh, that are trying to get pushed down that got started under the Obama administration. But going back to the calling the herd reference, every time you come out with these mandates or these edicts, good people go away. You're left with more pure uh, toe, toe the line sort of, uh, the, you know, uh, rank and file to get to the point where eventually what used to be completely an outlier is no longer that way. And, you know, my fear is that at the extreme end, you eventually get potentially eventually get a sheriff who has a is a group around him who is willing to go into people's houses and enforce mandates uh, that are otherwise unconstitutional because they have the police force to be able to do it. And there's nobody in the room acting as that sort of a counterbalance. And I think there is an element of that that's potentially happening within the education community as well, to where you just have good people that are willing to leave and go somewhere else. Well, parents need to be able to pay attention to that and either go where the good teachers are or they need to get involved in the school board and prevent the stuff from happening in the first place. I would suggest to you it's a lot easier and a lot less painful to get involved on the front end than to try to deal with it on the back end. It's sort of like... You change your oil in your car, don't you, so you don't have to replace the engine later on? It's sort of the same thing, in my opinion. Well, with Tim Martin watching the chat line here, anything you want to talk about? Uh, of course, there's always the issue of teachers' unions. Um, the problem with teachers' unions in K-12 through is the teachers really don't necessarily want to be in the union, but the union supplies for the teachers free legal representation, should it this grown old parent come in and, you know, cause the teacher or some sort of uh, issue. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same way in law enforcement, as I understand it. The PBA, mm-hmm. the FOP has gotten involved with personnel uh, issues that the leadership has the right to, you know, make changes and move people around uh, to try to get them in the right fit, except they have an advocate now in the union. And every administrator that I know, um, uh, hates the union, and most of the teachers that I know hate the union because why would you want to serve two bosses if you're in the classroom? You don't. You have the administrative leadership you have to please, and now you've got the union leadership you've got to please that uses your dues. By the way, cross county lines. I guess you know that. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and uh, for for political reasons, and so the simple task of doing your job is complicated by a couple administrations of uh, the unions and perhaps a, an administration with an agenda. So um, it's very difficult to keep uh, good people around because teaching is, having been in it forever, if you will, is very rewarding when you're with the student. Sure. You know, when you're with the student, the student's with you, there's nothing more powerful than that. And lifelong than that. The students, I, I probably taught over, I don't know, 40, 50,000 people, yeah. you know? Sure. And, you know, got all the great books and everything and, uh, and coached all these people. Uh, to this day, I'm still their coach. To this day, I'm still their teacher. Um, uh, both the current, as you know, state attorney and sheriff were both my students. Uh, that's interesting. You get old enough to wear 
uh, you're kind of the father figure to these guys who are bumping heads and maybe uh, in their roles. Um, it's just uh, got real significant rewards to it. If you can insulate yourself from all the madness around you and just deal with teaching, you know, that's oh, what yeah. you have to do. You're you're 100% correct. We're now asking our teachers to be parents. Uh, We're asking them to be disciplinarians. Uh, We're asking them to be testing administrators. Uh, We're asking them to be referees. All of these things that they were never meant to, to, to be. And, you know, I think you would agree that teaching is a, is a calling and it isn't necessarily for the good ones, uh, you know, something that they do, it really is who they are. And when you think back of your, in your life, uh, I just turned 51, it's the teachers, the coaches, your family, and your church connections that are your whole world. And those are the, of the biggest memories. Heck, just by way of example, our son is named after uh, my high school FFA advisor. His name was Kelly <laughs> Tyler. His name was Kelly Tyler. Our son's name is Tyler, and it was specifically uh, because of what that man uh, impacted on my life. And it's, I mean, those stories are not unique. They're, they happen all over the country. Uh, but you're right. We're asking teachers to do a lot more than they were ever sort of designed to be and educated to be. But the more pressure that they can put on uh, the teachers to really answer to the boss over at the union versus the boss at the administrator, uh, that's just going to create a, a recipe for disaster. You know, it used to be that um, when I first started, there was a PA system in the in the room, in yeah. all the rooms, in every room in the high school. Yeah. And that PA, you could be in the middle of a very important moment that could go either way in terms of engaging the student and took you a while to get to that moment. And the PA system would crackle. Sally, come to the office and get your wallet. It'd be the damn dean, you know? And I went up to the, when I was new, I I didn't, you know, I didn't care. I I went up and said, hey, listen, do you know what y'all are doing? I said, you're screwing up. Who cares a damn about her, let her get a wallet later, you know? And so what I actually did, Tim, uh-huh. is I crawled up there and disconnected the speaker. So they just couldn't think- interfere. You know, I mean, let her get the wallet later. And the school is eat up with this kind of stuff. Eat up. Well, it's, it is, it's, it's part of that instant gratification. They've got to get that task off their desk as soon as possible. Uh, but I I, sus- I suspect you are not the only one that disconnected the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember. I remember. Mr. Scott, is is Johnny yeah. in your classroom? Could you send him to the office? Yeah, oh, right. I remember right. Specific- oh, yeah. I remember that uh, very, very, very well. And, uh, you know, obviously, you could go back into the weeds of public education uh it's actually a tenant. <laughs> Free education is a tenant of the uh, Marxist playbook outlined in the Communist Manifesto. Um, it's certainly been co-opted over the years, and I think a lot of it does boil down to the character of the people that you have, and a lot of it still falls back on the parents and the parents' engagement. Oh, yes. 
uh, about what is happening oh. over at the school. I've been very deliberate, uh, my wife as well. We've been very deliberate about engaging as much as we possibly can with the schools. Uh, I call high school football games. I'm over at the school pretty often. Uh, and it's, it's just, you know, a, a, a choice that I made, even though that our stu- our kids are in public school, it's still been a choice that we have made to, sh- to deliberately be engaged. And it's different where, you know, I, I get around the county quite a bit and I hear a lot of conversations. You know, people say that it's different in Newberry. Uh, it's all that I know <laughs> at this point, so I don't, don't really have a good point of reference. Uh, but it certainly seems as if the the parents really can bring a lot to the table if they are engaged in the process. Well, I think the other thing about Newberry is very, very, very handy, if you will. A community sure. school. It is a community. Sure. And Newberry High is the focus of that community. And see, we most don't of, have that. Huh? Well, I was going to say most of the residents are within three miles of the school. Everybody yeah. <laughs> theoretically could walk there. Uh, right. But we don't because of the highways uh, that are going through that are very, very, very busy. Uh, all three schools are within, gosh, a half a mile of each other. So you've got the high school, elementary school, and then the middle school is a little bit further away. But it's all within walking distance of each other. And that does really provide that community school feel that you're talking about. Yeah, you see, that's what's fractured Gainesville. Uh, you've got these three high schools spread out. Mm-hmm. Then you have the madness of busing and moving around for some political formula. Mm-hmm. When what they really need to do, in my humble opinion, is just go back and make them each a community school. If you live near that high school, that's where you go. Mm-hmm. And if you live near this other high school, that's where you go. And you try to build a community. Um, but no, we don't do that. We, uh, in the bigger the cities, the worse it gets. Um you know, it's all about community, I think, when you're coming with the school. Well, we're going to take a break at the bottom of the hour here for the weather. We're talking with Tim Martin. Uh, I'm looking at your chat line. Get back. We'll probably talk a little bit about GRU, maybe, uh, sure. and what's going on. I know Tim and I were going to talk about that. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, 
You can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security weather really here is sort of dried out a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a little more warm weather now. Uh, however, you know, the water is still standing in retention ponds about the county, and we still have sinkholes. So uh, we'll be monitoring those for you, particularly in the southern part of the county, particularly probably uh, uh, towards, as you might imagine, uh, Paynes Prairie. So, um, However, we haven't had the heat waves uh, that Texas has had. Just to pass this along to you, the Texas heat wave has already smashed all-time record highs. And uh, just to give you an idea of what they are, Del Rio, Texas, 115 degrees on Wednesday. That was topping their previous high of 113. San Angelo, Texas, 114 Laredo, Texas, 115, and Rio Grande Village, 119 degrees. Um, all of these were hotter in Texas than Death Valley, California, uh, had managed to be at about the same time. So um, we hope that's not going to be coming our way. Of course, we are a peninsula between uh, two big bodies of water that tend to cool us down a little bit. Um, the uh, unofficial heat index is even higher uh, at Corpus Christi International Airport. It was 125 degrees. And I guess a heat index is what it feels like. I don't know how you do that. But if it's hot, it's hot. That's what I believe anyway. So uh, these heat alerts are issued when a combination of heat and humanity, uh, humidity uh, pose a danger to humanity. Uh, and so that's where we could be in some of these places. And it's going to move apparently over to the Mississippi Valley into uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma. And that could be some extreme heat for them in July. So we are lucking out on that here in the piney woods of north central Florida. Talking with Tim Martin, I'm checking uh, uh, whatever is on your mind right now. Tim and I were talking at the break about, guess what? Gainesville Region Utilities. Now, we are on to their game 
Oh, they've lowered the bill, I think, Tim. And, and now the benevolence of their heart uh, <laughs> to give their customers. Why is it? Why are you laughing, Tim? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I. <laughs> why couldn't you be doing these things before? Why do you got to wait till the light is flicked on in your room and the cockroaches want to start running? Right. They could have been doing this sort of stuff a long time ago. And uh, I, I mean, I'll. Fully disclose, we had gotten notice a couple of months ago at our city commission that the the price of natural gas, for instance, were a little bit lower than expected. So the PCA or the power cost adjustment, which is sort of the uh, let's if you look at an algebraic question uh, equation, you have the cost of power, the wholesale cost of power, and then you have an adjustment. Uh, to allow for your administrative costs, your upcharges for infrastructure replacement, et cetera. And then you get the final uh, billable hours, let's say, or the billable cost per hour. Uh, so, you know, the, you can adjust the PCA all the time. And generally speaking, uh, anytime it has what's referred to as uh, my old mayor, Bill Conrad, used to say, if it's got two zeros in front of the PCA, that's a good, that's a good sign. And that is really sort of the the locally variable costs that the commission always has the opportunity to adjust and apparently, apparently uh you know now here at the at the witching hour <laughs> they're going to want to try to change that to save a little face but the 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 cake is already baked uh July 1st is going to be the switch and uh Hutch Hutchison's already out there running around with GRU grunited.org uh that is their landing page for another lawsuit that is put forth by Joe Little <laughs> to try and stop. And he's got this whole little diatribe on there about, we're referring to this as GRU versus GRU. Well, you know, Hutch, if you and the people who think like you hadn't tried to turn it into a Marxist playground to begin with, uh, then you know you wouldn't be in this situation. The reality is we hear the phrase, you know, the great thing about uh, socialism is eventually, you're, or the bad thing is you eventually run out of other people's money. Well, guess what Ju June 30th is going to be for the Marxists over in Gunsville? The day they run out of other people's money. So the the cliche has played out in the city of Gunsville, and we are where we are. If not but for their nonsense for the last 10, 15, 20 years, this situation would not be uh, in place. It's a completely uh, self-inflicted wound, and they can cry about the about the governor's office all they want, uh, but they look need to look no further than the person that's in the mirror for who is at fault for this current situation. You use the term which I like quite a bit, Gunsville. Let's talk a little bit about that little conversation they're having as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Harvey Ward is now. Uh, out there, you can go over to lateralchronicle.com and there's a great article on there about the new gun, uh, violence task force that they're, that they want to institute over there. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is when you don't enforce the law anymore and you work towards this consequence free society that the Marxists are always wanting to do over there, then this is what you get. You get an uptick in violence, uh, mix in a, a poor and sluggish economy perpetrated by things like the central banking system and the White House, all of that feeds into uh, despair. And what happens in despair, people lash out. 
but they get back backed into a corner and they lash out. Of course, then you add in the element that the attorneys in the court system needs a recurring customer base, so they let, let these people out on low bonds so that they can reoffend and they can have a continuous workload and more customers all the time. And it's just this vicious cycle. Uh, but hey. It's the inanimate gun that is the problem always, and they can't bother to look at all this other stuff or just, you know, they they don't want to even bother uh, to look at it because they they know that they can't really do a lot about that and, and kind of maintain the sort of themes that they politically want to put out there on people. So, again, look in the mirror, uh, leadership over in Gainesville, those are the people to blame. And I've been briefed by some of the federal people here uh, on the side, so to speak, about the rising and incident of gang violence that is not getting smaller, it's getting bigger. Uh, a lot of this is fed off the open borders of the Biden administration. Um, these gangs are very well organized here. They have their own websites, which I have conveniently forgotten. They uh, address for, but I was shown them by the federal people. How about so that? I didn't know they were existed. <clears throat> Amazing. Uh, run through prostitution of young women. Mm-hmm. Some are, you don't know where they came from. Some are right here. You know, you know, oh, yeah. but they're <clears throat> got organized gangs behind them. In the website pictures, they have <clears throat> codified gestures. The tattoos all mean something. Um, uh, it, it's a it's a heck of a presence, and um, it's here and getting bigger. And mm-hmm. I was briefed on it just so I'd know it was there. I guess as an alternative to the political narrative, which is being perpetrated on mankind that if we just smarter and got rid of the guns, no, 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 no. It goes back to fatherless families, uh, government substitutes for work, um, kids that have been taught the school system is a waste of time, you know, um, Government programs substitute for church programs. Government program, right, right. And I mean, you've got the EBT instead of the food pantries. You take a, you know, a lot of this is an attack on on God. Uh, you can't have God superseding the government and still have the government in charge. So a lot of the attacks on the church are to undermine a lot of that thing. Uh, but you make a good point, uh, not necessarily just now, but you know, over time, the gangs are the substitute for the family. Right, they become the family. They become the they become the family unit. And uh yeah, it's you know, got prostitution, drugs, crime, all this other stuff involved in it. Uh but they feed off of the connection that's created that should have been cre- created in uh the family but is not but it's not. Yeah, and it's very disciplined, very well organized and there's a real kind of uh Invisible order to it. Um, um, I had a psychologist tell me one time, ask me a question, which I couldn't answer, of course, about gangs, because I don't think the way I guess they do. But um, the psychologist asked me, 
What do you think is the most, we're talking about, let's talk about character, but let's talk about it in terms of gang leadership, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is the most important quality to have to be picked as a gang leader? And because uh, nothing can be written down. Everything has to be on trust. And if there's any betrayal, it's dealt with right away. And uh, I couldn't guess it. And the psychologist said, the gang leader has the ability to lie convincingly. Because the first loyalty of the gang leader is not to the cop asking him questions, is to the gang he's protecting him. Mm -hmm. And so gang leaders, you know, talking about how conventional society selects, or you would think selects its leaders mm -hmm. on integrity and honesty. And well, it's the same thing, only it's flipped mm -hmm. to the dark side. You yeah. have to be able to lie convincingly. You have to have loyalty to the group. Uh, and uh, then you'll become trusted enough by the group to lead them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and of course there's quick revenge for betrayal because nothing can be taken through a court system. You know, there's no uh, dispension of justice through paper trails. And so it's all got to be done by the sword, if you will. And I don't think that the, when what I've been, seeing in the public uh, sunset paper even begins to talk about this. You know, it uh, answer knows no more deeply than getting rid of the guns. Are you kidding me? You're not mm -hmm. going to get rid of the guns. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if the guns were the problem, then there really shouldn't be anybody left in America at this point, because I think we have more guns than we have people. Uh, and it goes back to what I was saying in the first half of the hour. It's the freedom to do things, but the moral guardrails to prevent you from doing those sorts of things that really uh, provide the liberty for everybody in this country. And I think that's that's a really a, a key point here. And without the the morality, you know, we our self governance experiments or experiment is is not going to work and that's where the attacks on the family the attacks on the church you know all of those things are to reach that goal and it's it's a constant hammering on all of those things we've got to tear down all of the american institutions in order to integrate it and it's whether it's the boy scouts whether it's uh whether it's gender whether it's the financial institutions educational institutions uh the church and religion uh, everything, law enforcement, all of it has to be torn down because you know we are the exception right now, and you can't have the global integration uh, that these people like the Klaus Schwabs of the world uh, want to put forth with having that nail sticking up on the board. You've got to get it smashed down, and they use the levers of government uh, to do that, and they. You know, they, they print endless amounts of money so that they can curry favor, uh, to drive this agenda and all those sorts of things. All of it is happening all at once, which is why I really sort of take exception when people gravitate towards this microwave answer or this one silver bullet. It's, it's not that. It's, there's so many other things at play. And if one strategy isn't working, there's another one going on right at the same time. Uh, I did, 
I uh, want to go back. Uh, Ken had put in a comment here in here. What to what extent of the teachers' unions destroyed the public education system? Well, Ken, I think my answer there is they have really provided a conduit for all the social engineering uh, that has really undermined what the educational system truly should be about, and that's the ABCs and the one two threes. Uh, the the teachers' union have taken this political agenda. Uh, crafted it in administrative policy, in regulatory policy, in emotional uh, learning and all that sort of stuff. So uh, my answer is it's provided a conduit for all of that political stuff to be driven through and into education. And that's what's really undermined education. And the unions are notoriously Democrat, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a reason why uh, Biden was in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago to quote unquote kick off his campaign uh all of the union headquarters are in philadelphia there is a uh there is a woman i forget her name uh who is the the head of the seiu i believe it is over there of course you got the afl cio all of those are headquartered right there in philadelphia that's why he was in philadelphia to kick off his campaign Former tim martin who is the chair of the lots county republican party works for John Burke Society, and is a Newberry City Commissioner, so a uh, very b- busy man, and uh, has children in the public school system or uh, uh, and coaches, and, uh, the uh, talks about the coaching world and broadcasts the shows. And um, From the town of Newberry, you know, Tim, i got to ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, you got a Publix coming to Newberry, thank goodness. Because the one in Jonesville, I'm telling you, what are we going to do about traffic in Jonesville? I mean, I don't yeah. know how we're, 241 is going to be overwhelmed. You're going to have one city from Jonesville to Newberry. What are you guys talking about over there? You know, look, you're the guys, the leaders. What? Yeah. Give me some. Give me some idea about this stuff. <laughs> uh, really, actually, good good question. Uh, um, let me say this first, though. In uh, 2008, 2009, uh, however many years ago that was, I used to work for uh, Progressive Auto Insurance Claims, and our office was right off of Tower Road. And I had served as a kind of a shadow uh, for an assistant manager at Publix who was l- looking at changing careers. He wanted to get out of Publix. And uh, back then, and he worked at the Jonesville store. Back then, he told me that by the numbers and the square footage and the amount of money that they were doing in that store, they were over capacity back then in 2008, 2009. So I can just – my uh, my wife does does not go to the Jonesville store. She just kind of refuses at this point because it's bumper-to-bumper traffic uh, getting into the store. And then when you're in the store – It's bumper-to-bumper traffic with the carts, so uh, you're right. It is insane. But with regards to the Jonesville, the Newberry, uh, we've actually been very deliberate, and we've kind of answered the feedback that we've gotten from our community of creating a green belt around Newberry. Uh, We have just sort of done some uh, governmental uh, things. It's called the Urban Services Agreement, but it's, you know, nothing that most people really care about. Uh, But we are going to basically not go east of 202nd Street. Uh, 202nd Street is about two miles from the light in Jonesville. And currently, the GRU service agreement with the Alachua County 
unincorporated area goes to, uh, I think it's 170th. So if you, the light of Jonesville is 143rd Street, the next light west of Jonesville, which takes 241 south to Archer, uh, that is basically the end of the GRU uh, service agreement that they have with the county. So between the light at 170th and uh, 202nd Street, which is just east of Destiny Community Church. It's also the road that Gatorback is on, uh, where the uh, National Amateur Races are for dirt motocross. So basically between 202nd and 170th is largely going to say stay pretty much the same way that it is now, and it's going to create that buffer between Jonesville and Newberry because essentially there's not going to be any infrastructure underground in between those two places, which makes it very hard sell uh, to bring development to those areas, particularly housing. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And the and the Publix is going to be uh, just on the edge of what is now really kind of the incorporated city of Newberry uh, center. So the Publix is going to be uh, – where 235 from Alachua connects to Newberry Road, just east of Newberry, um, right behind Hitchcock's, ironically. Uh, there's a kind of a triangle piece. It's about nine acres. That's where the Publix is going to be going. So if you're coming into Newberry, just as the road sort of starts to creep to the left, there is a triangle piece of property on the right, and that's where the Publix is going to be going. And uh, hopefully they're going to be breaking ground here pretty soon, but uh, – Interestingly enough, the county held that project up for quite a while as well because of a traffic study and a driveway permit that they refused to give to Publix. And Publix eventually, uh, with the developer, because Publix is not the developer of the land itself, uh, they decided that they were going to move forward with or without the permit from uh, the county. And really? Then the county, yeah, and then the county just decided that they'd go ahead and do it anyway. Because there's three roads, you know, like I said, it's a triangle piece, so there's a a county road on the west side, there's a city road on the north side, and there's a state road on the south side. So they had ingress and egress onto Newberry Lane, which is a city road. We gave the permission for that pretty easily, and DOT gave them permission to exit an, an entrance out off of uh, Newberry Road as well. So the county road, 235, was really just a third uh, ingress and egress that they really technically didn't need. Uh, but the county also stood in the way of DOT uh, with regards to a traffic light. There basically uh, were studies that showed that the traffic lights were not needed. We have a blinking light at 235 in Newberry Road. And uh, one of the uh, – I think it was the head of the roads department over at the county uh, complained and kept working his way up the – food chain over at the FDOT and finally got somebody to cave and say they needed a light at Newberry Lane and, and uh, Newberry Road, which is State Road 26. Uh, so they're going to you know, – Publix initially was going to walk away a year ago, and we were able to keep them at the table, keep talking. Uh, there's another development going on the other side of the street. Uh, so everybody's got to pitch in money now because of what the county did to get a darn traffic light put in there that's arguably not even needed based on the traffic studies themselves. Wow. Anything going down towards High Springs? Uh, no, not at this time. Uh, there is another phase going in of housing around uh, Easton uh, Sports Complex, uh, but that's it going north towards High Springs uh, that's on the books right now. There is another development kind of in the 
in the dream stage, I believe, that's going to be running north on uh, 2741. Uh, but that seems to be uh, quite a ways out, and that's a little bit of a le- legacy pro- project uh, for one of the developers in town. But from what he has told me about what he wants to do with it, uh, it it could really be uh, something else. Really be, you know, it uh, just lots of great ideas. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Let's go down toward Archer. Anything going on with Archer in terms of uh, wastewater? Well, we just got a a, a grant, or I guess it's not really a grant, but uh, an allotment within the state budget to create the regional uh, wastewater program or project. That is a about a $40 million project uh, to create this regional wastewater treatment center for Archer, Newberry, and High Springs uh, to basically run pipe from all three to a central location to process uh, wastewater to keep it out of the ground. And uh, that's a, that's also a long-term project. A million dollars is sort of a drop in the bucket when you need 40 uh, to really pull it together. Uh, but at least it's starting to add up. We have already cited property kind of southwest of town that will accommodate that sort of uh, uh, regional prog- regional uh, treatment center. We've also done the uh, engineering bidding, so we kind of know what it would look like. Uh, it actually incorporates some new technology that would create sort of a uh, like an environmental lagoon kind of thing. It can be stocked with fish uh, that will be a little bit more appealing, so to speak. And we're trying to work with the county to let them cite two things there. One was the meat processing plant, and one was also a firefighter training facility. That was, and this is on 337 South, which runs from Newberry to Bronson. And in exchange that they were going to repave uh, the road all the way out to uh, Newberry Road, which is sort of just, you know, trying to come to an agreement about what we can do. The The county lost the bid to get funding for it from the state in the budget. The DeSantis vetoed that. I don't know if they're going to be able to find the money somewhere else. And that's one of those projects that really is a little bit weird because I'm all in favor of decentralizing the food processing. I think it's a security issue. I just don't really want government involved with it. And I know if the government, uh, the county builds it, uh, I think it'll become another money pit because I don't know that there's a lot of operators and they want an operator out there running the place. I don't know that there's a lot out there. And if you're tying their hands for them to make money, what's really going to be the motivation for them uh, to really be involved and make it a successful venture? I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm leery. <laughs> we have a joint meeting with them coming up, though, I think it's July 10th at uh, 7 o'clock at Easton. So that should be interesting. Tim, we're out of time. It's always great to talk with you and have you here. And you're getting a lot of favorable feedback, of course, on chat for your uh, insight into so many different things going on in our area. And uh, look forward to seeing you and talking to you again soon. Tomorrow, we should have Ted Yoho with us. So we should have a pretty good show for you this week. And we'll keep you all informed uh, as to the issues that maybe you ought to stay up on if you're caring about the quality of your life. And we thank all the people who support the show, of course, and always encourage more support. Tim, have a great day. And Warthog Command Center out.